Hey everybody, welcome to episode eight of Boy Meets Tech. Uh, this week we jump into really the world of design. Uh, about six months ago when we started WeStock, you know, we obviously thought we needed to bring on a designer to do our branding, to do our logos, uh, to design the, the user interface for the app. And so we went through that whole process um, and we turned to Dribble to start and we, we looked through countless portfolios um, and we actually pre-screened quite a few designers to find somebody who worked with us. We didn't want to just outsource the work to somebody um, and just kind of be done with it. We wanted to find someone who could potentially be you know, a full-time team member in the future um, and was really invested in the work that they were doing. And that's when we met Lindsay. Um, she is the UX and UI designer for Verizon. Uh, she also has her own business called Birch Branding, where she works with a ton of startups and entrepreneurs. And we just thought her acumen for design um, and her ability to really drive drive with us as a team uh, was second to none compared to the other designers that we spoke with. And, and we've learned a ton from her over the past uh, six months. And I thought, you know, who better to have on for this week's episode than Lindsay to really do a deep dive into design, um, what to look for when you're approaching a designer, what really is UI and UX uh, and what gets her excited about the future of design and the future of this industry. So I really hope you enjoy this week's episode uh, and our conversation with Lindsay. But with Lindsay Birch, uh, she is a UI and UX visual designer for Verizon and also the founder of Birch Branding. And full disclosure, she's also the designer uh, for WeStock. So I didn't have to reach too far for this interview. So Lindsay, thank you for waking up early and, and joining me today. Of course. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's nice to talk to you on a little bit more formal basis of uh, <laughs> a formal interview. But I, I wanted to kind of start, like, obviously, I know your background, but I'd love to just know a little bit more about your background, how you got into design, specifically um, UI and UX design, which you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. So what's really interesting is that UI, UX design wasn't really a huge thing when I graduated. Um, I graduated about four years ago, and I came out of school with a graphic design degree. Um, so that was pretty popular at the time for design in general, but it's crazy how much the industry has changed and how UI, UX, you can actually specialize that in school. So uh, I, I think that's really awesome. Um, and it's something that I've kind of had to learn along the way professionally. So coming out of school, um, I had interned at an agency in North New Jersey, and I ended up working there full-time afterwards. So I have like three and a half years of experience uh, within the agency world, which was really awesome, really fast-paced. It's a super unique experience. Uh, but during that time, I realized my love for the digital space and more strategy-based things. Um, so I had a unique opportunity with Verizon to come on board uh, as I start to build their uh, UX team for Fios specifically. So I've been here for a little over half a year now, and it's really just been delving into uh, interaction design, visual design, and just really how do you build a really great experience around a really great product. Great. And then can, um, can you explain a little bit to what you do at Birch Branding and kind of um, how you pick your customers? I know that you can't really pick, um, you know, do all the customers that kind of reach out to you, but kind of how do you pick your clientele for Birch Branding? What does that encompass and, and kind of what services do you specialize in? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question because it's changed over, over time. So as I've always been working full time and then taking on clients on the side, I've been a little bit actually a lot more selective as I go because 
now that I'm really immersed in what I love doing in UI UX here at Verizon, I really want to make sure that um, the clients I'm taking on serve that kind of inner purpose for me. Like I connect to their work and I connect to their brand and just more focused projects versus one-off. So a lot of the things that I do, and I was more so focused on a lot of branding, logos, a refresh of brand if it's not a brand new company, um, which I still do that today. And then a lot of that is also focused on web design and really bringing in what I'm learning here at Verizon and bringing that to the clients that I work with. So how do we great, how do we create a really great user experience um, in the digital space? And then obviously with you guys, we've been working on the app, which is really fun. I think that's some of my favorite work is, is been app based. Um, so yeah, it can really be a gamut. I also have a, like from graphic design, I also have a print background. So should clients need any printed material, that's something I'm really well versed in as well. And what, what stage do you think that, you know, if you know, obviously, you know, we reached out to you relatively early, but if you mm -hmm. have a startup and you are an entrepreneur and you don't have the ability to bring in a designer full time, I mean, what, when do you really think that you should reach out to a designer? What should you really look for in a designer and, and kind of uh, what's some pitfalls that you've seen maybe some people get into by reaching out to a designer too early or too late, or maybe not to a qualified person? Kind of what can someone look for to make sure that they're, uh, you know, getting into, um, you know, a good partnership with a, with a qualified designer? So I think this is a tricky question, too, because I also think it depends on the client, but also depends on the designer. So I can at least speak for me because I love kind of getting hands on and right. in the weeds with strategy. So at least for me. What's important when someone reaches out to me is that it's clear as to who they are as a company um, and you know what your end product will be. Uh, sometimes it's okay if it's a little bit granular. We don't, we don't quite know the exact path, but there is a clear, clear, clear vision because I'm not going to tell you who you are as a company. I can't tell you your values. Th these are things that I can maybe help figure out some traits and characteristics, but I, I can't tell you how to run your business, what your business is. So once you know that and you know where the end product is going to be, then we can go through what I call a discovery phase, um, which really just pulls out that passion and knowledge. So some clients have a hard time kind of articulating that. So that's something I can help with manifesting into things that can be uh, visually pursued. Uh, and then you apply those to the deliverables. So at least for me, as long as you know who you are as a company and what your end product is, and this is coming from like starting from scratch. Um, if you already have branding and you already have products that need a refresh, again, I, th I think the same principle applies. Actually, you still have to know who you are as a company. So obviously your design, um, your UX, whatever you had before wasn't doing its job. And maybe that's because you didn't know who you are or that changed. Um, so that's my number one thing, but that's also because I like being super hands-on. So other designers may want a job that is completely buttoned up, has an outline and they just need to execute. So I think it's kind of give and take. And I think it's so important to have those conversations early, hop on a phone call, don't be shy, um, and just reach out to people. Cause that's exactly what you did. I think you found my, um, designs via dribble. Uh, right. which is funny because I had never had someone reach out to me before. So I was like, oh, okay, is this real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, for I think to bring up Dribble because like we, we use that not only to find you, but really to make sure that we gave you a clear vision of what we wanted by giving mm -hmm. you like, like really fleshing you with a ton of examples. Um, so just on the note of Dribble, I mean, where else would you say, like if, if I'm starting from, um, from scratch, where should I go to really find a designer? 
That's that's tricky. So I and I've been on. I don't know if you've heard of um, Upwork or yeah. uh, People Per Hour. Like I've start. I started doing some work through there. Um, I'm not. I'm not a total fan of that because I feel like it's really churn and burn from like a work perspective. So I honestly wouldn't recommend trying to find a designer that way because that's usually just kind of a quick exchange and not necessarily a long-term engagement. Um, but besides channels, because I think Dribble is pretty good, maybe even Behance, you can look at that as well. I also think asking around and using your network um, would also be a great thing because someone somewhere has probably worked with a designer or knows someone that you can potentially talk to or get a good idea or that person can direct you in the right place. So I also think utilizing your resources because some of my best leads have come from people that I know and that have referred me. I'm at that point where I don't really look for work. Uh, it just comes through referrals and then you pick and choose that way. So I think that's also a great way to find um, notable people that will already be vetted for you. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, and I, I would say too, I mean, do you find it hard sometimes with with younger brands or people that are reaching out to you that may not be on the same wavelength with you in terms of how they approach branding? And do you ever have to just walk away from a customer or is it, is it always kind of salvageable in, in terms of like, Hey, we'll work through this and we'll get on the same page. So I think it varies. Some, sometimes I realize too, if it's not going to be a long engagement with this person, we just kind of have to wrap up the job. I won't walk away from anything. I'll always finish because that's, that's important to me. But if I don't see a long-term engagement and we're really not seeing eye to eye, at the end of the day, that is my client. So I will make sure that they're happy. Uh, but you kind of have to gauge to how much your client trusts you. And that was one thing that I also wanted to talk about during this time is um, when you're approaching a designer and when you're approaching design, trust that person. You know, you hired them for a reason. And everyone has specialties in their own realm, but really trusting them and letting them have ownership is just going to give you such a better end result than you truly being just a client versus almost partnering with design. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I, I think that was, I think that's where we're on the level right now. You know, me and Dimitri can, you know, submit a project and understand that it's going to be done with level of uh, professionalism and, and really fall in line with all the design that we've, we've launched with so far. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. And I think disagreement, but like respectful disagreement. Yeah. And <laughs> working through that only makes a better product. Because I mean, honestly, I think designers are going to get it wrong sometimes, or maybe they don't understand the business goals uh, as much as they should. Because I think business and the people on the company side always are thinking about that first, whereas designers maybe will think about UX first. And there has to be that happy medium within that process of developing your product. So it meets the business goals, but also meets the user goals. Because let's be real, if you have done too much of the business side, your users are not going to buy into what you're selling. And then if you don't do enough on the business side and you focus too much on the interaction without the business goals, you aren't going to sell anything. So either way, you aren't going to sell anything. Right. You need a good balance. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to, to the beginning part when you were talking about UI and UX. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, six months ago, I had no clue really what, what that was. And I'm still obviously learning. But mm -hmm. I, I would love just on a like, kind of a big overview and then also a granular level of, of what really UI and UX design is and, and really what that entails. Yeah. So let's start with UX because UI definitely comes afterwards. So UX, user experience for anyone that doesn't know what UX means. Um that's the core foundation of all the interaction. So if you were to think about an app or think about a website and how you utilize that, 
visuals aside, you know, are you clicking a button here? Where is the navigation? Where is the footer? What kind of things are in there? All of that is interaction design and how someone buys something, how someone reads something, how someone navigates your site. Um, so figuring that out at the core and how you want things to work and what feels good to a customer is most important. And you can't do that without understanding your customer. I really, I can't stress that enough. You can't be successful with design if you don't understand your customers and how they behave because that just funnels into your user experience. You know, a lot of people will create personas, which are basically just kind of profiling your customers. Sometimes they'll have about three and you stack those personas against the work you're doing to make sure, okay, Susan is 46. She's pretty good with the computer. Uh, here are frustrations. Here are, here are her motivations. Like, would Susan understand how to navigate your app, your website? So you can kind of vet that process and make sure that the core of your interactions are good. And then from there, you can move on to the UI process or the user interface, um, which is more visual. And that's, that's kind of skinning that design and those interactions into what feels good. So that's from a branding perspective and making sure that comes through. Um, and that's also uh, taking into account accessibility as well and making sure that's on point. And then obviously colors is kind of tied into branding as well, but uh, they make a big difference, right? If everything is prominent on the page, nothing is prominent on the page. So those have to be taken into account too. But really with UI, you want to build sort of a system and a library of design that you continue to pull from so that the established patterns within the interaction design also reflects in how it looks. So customers are starting to understand this pattern that your brand has and a pattern of using your product so that when they pick up something else that you make, they kind of have an idea already about how it works. I think, I think that's truly successful design is when you have a library and it just rolls out amongst everything you put out. So your customers really understand you um, and, and everything you offer as a company. And, and so what, I mean, is the biggest mistake that, that startups or entrepreneurs can make during this process is not have that, that core customer in mind? Or what are some of the mistakes that you see with, with some people that hire you to do UI and UX? Um, but then maybe they haven't done the groundwork before really think moving to that step. Yeah. And it gets, it gets a little tricky too, because obviously when you're working with startups, maybe they don't have the cash flow to really do user research, understand, or maybe they're kind of going on the fly, waiting till they hit market and then um, more or less reacting to their users and then fixing some of those things. I think it really depends on budget too, but like the, the number one mistake I would have to say is focusing too heavily on your business needs um, and your users don't really get the point or they don't navigate the way you want them to because you focus too heavily on the business needs versus how the users behave and interact with your product. Um, I think it definitely only backfires or it just seems like a hard sell all the time versus something that's really natural to them. Um, so I, I think that's a number one mistake. And I also think that goes hand in hand with maybe not trusting the designer you hired um, because the designer is probably going to vouch the most for the customer. Not all the time. I, I want to say, even with you guys, you guys are so great with keeping that customer in mind. But I have a lot of other clients that have fallen into the trap of like, okay, here's our goal. We just have to sell this. Uh, let's make this happen versus like, um, how do you want to speak to your customers? Is that the right way to approach them? Is that the right way and the right touch point to talk to them, to have that kind of interaction? So I think it's keeping that in mind and that balance when you approach it. Um, and I think, too, if you don't understand your 
customer and your users and you don't have a huge budget, I think there are really great ways of just kind of like taking a prototype or taking a mock-up of something and then talking to the people you know or through the grapevine and going that way. I think that's a really great way that's free, but that also gives you some insights so you're not shooting in the dark. Yeah, no, I think that's – and to to kind of think about what our biggest mistake was during the thing is is just because you can do something, maybe you shouldn't. Like, we, we spent mm-hmm. so much time on the onboarding process just because yes. <laughs> we were told that we could do gamification. And I was like, oh, cool, like, let's gamify the whole onboarding. And we, you know, we almost lost a whole month of, of kind of just um, of work because of that because, one, it was really labor-intensive, and then we got it done. Uh, and then we saw people just basically skipping through it once we did get, you know, our user base up. So I think to just kind of prioritizing what you actually need um, is something that would be really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think doing those those basics really well to start and then adding in those extra. So and that's also talking to our customers. So if you do push out to market um, and having the basics done really well and having it function the way it needs to. Uh, I think that then you can start to add in those niceties. So again, yeah, not not trying to do everything and do all the bells and whistles up front, but making sure your core product is really good and getting the super important stuff that's integral out first. I know you bring it up to us, um, you know, a bit, but in terms of um, kind of testing your product and market research and and, um, kind of putting in front of an audience, can you touch on some of the resources that are out there for people that are like, well, I have no clue who my customer is? Um, and kind of the best way to go about that. Yeah, yeah. So at least here at here at Verizon, one of the tools we use, we actually have an entire like lab and facility, if you will, that kind of mimics a home. So okay. we can pull in actual people. But I think I think that's a little extreme for some who especially are just starting. Um, but you can totally use usertesting.com. Um, we use that a lot here for the work that we do. They have screener questions. So you can really filter down age, income, occupation, location. They have so many different filters for you to get a pool of exactly the kind of user you're looking for to test your prototype or even look at like something and A-B test it. So if there's a visual and two different representations of it, um, you can test what one's customers would like more. And then obviously on the very, very economical side, which I just spoke about, is definitely, you, you know people, you know people, that you could use to show the product to. Like, I know that's what I did for us. Uh, yeah. When we were getting the app up and running with the beta, I was just handing it, you know? You just hand it to people or you send out the beta link, have people use it um, and utilize that feedback. I think that's probably your best bet and the best way. And if you're feeling bold, like for, I don't know if anyone lives in the New Jersey, New York area that is listening, but if you've ever used the NJ Transit app, it's a very frustrating experience. So I did like a personal project of, of redesigning that. And I didn't hesitate when I was sitting on the train using NJ Transit to ask people, like if, if they look friendly, I mean, you have to gauge the situation. Not everyone likes to talk to everyone else, but I would ask people what frustrates them the most about using the app. Um, so I think if you have some kind of savvy way of talking to people that feels yeah. comfortable to you to get that kind of research, I think you can totally do a guerrilla style and just, just talk to people. I think to not making sure you don't lead them kind of to you know, uh, yes. avoid confirmation bias because yes. just putting it in their hand and seeing how they interact with it versus saying, this is really what you should get out of it. Um, just kind of have them do it without a baseline of what to expect. 
Yeah, I, I think it's, it, you definitely have to set up your goals. And I think the most important part with user testing is that you're not trying to test out the whole thing. You're looking for a very specific thing, or at least you, sh- you should. You should be focused on a specific area of something that you're curious about. If it works, does it need to be improved, X, Y, Z. So like most of the time, especially if you're going to use user testing, you can sort of prompt and gauge the mindset of your user first and kind of guide them that way, not bias into the product, but just kind of set their mindset of what they're trying to accomplish and then letting them see the thing in front of them and see if they can do it. So I think that's true in person as well. It may be a little bit harder if you're approaching people you don't know, though, because they aren't ready for your user research. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I and I think just to kind of wrap wrap everything up here, you have this this kind of um, great vantage point where you work for a large company, but you also work with startups. So I, I'd kind of love to know what excites you the most about the future of like design or startups or tech, and, and kind of what is what what's really exciting you for the next five ten years uh, of being in this industry. I think what excites me most is the fact that I don't know what I'm going to be working on from the sense of like an interface perspective, things start to change. AR, VR is coming up, right? Are we even going to have phones in the future? Is it going to be glasses? Is it it going to be augmented? Like how how do we design for that stuff? Voice is really big right now. That's design and it's not even visual. It's literally just patterns, conversational. So thinking about design past the visual is what excites me most. I don't exactly know how I'm going to do it, um, but I'm ready for the change. So it's it's a little hard to answer because I don't even know where it's going to be. Right. But I think that's the most exciting part for me is that it doesn't just have to be visual. I don't even know if we're going to have phones. I don't know where WeStock is going. We may want to do something crazy. So um, I, I think that's the most exciting part for me is that really sky's the limit and it's not just what you see in front of you. Yeah, I agree. I think the the unknown uh, paired with the the capabilities of what that can bring is is definitely super exciting and intriguing for this industry. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you joining me early uh, this morning, Lindsay. I'm sure we will touch base multiple times throughout this week on on We Stock <laughs> Of course, it, it was good to kind of touch base on this, and, and I'm sure the listeners learned a ton on on really where to start um, as a baseline for design and 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 really how to approach that process. So, thank you for that. Yes, thanks for having me. All right, thank you so much. All right. Bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As usual, we are brought to you by WeStock. You can now find WeStock in the App Store. It is the best way to discover and support local and emerging brands. And for more information, you can also visit WeStock.io. We will be back next week with another episode of Boy Meets Tech. Thank you.